This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. They might be the most interesting team in the NHL. They are the Philadelphia Flyers, and we'll get to them here in a couple of moments. First, I want to remind you, top of the hour, E.J. Raddick stops by uh, from the NHL Network, and also Steve Goldstein uh, will join us. Uh, Florida Panthers play-by-play voice. Only question there is, are things great or really great, Steve? Things are really great, Jeff, and here's why. It's kind of a preview of what Hour 2 is going to sound like. Meanwhile, before hitting a little bit of a speed wobble, things were really great for the Philadelphia Flyers. And they were looking like they were going to be the surprise team of the NHL this season. And they still very well might be, but they'll need to pull out of a little speed wobble here after the break. Our friend Charlie O'Connor joins me from PHLY Sports and co-host of the PHLY Flyers podcast. Charlie, how are you today? Uh, Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Um, so how do we read the most recent uh, speed bump, uh, bump into the wall, uh, bruised knee, scuffed shin here by the Philadelphia Flyers? Do we look at it as, you know, this is just uh, temporary and they have the horses to get past it? Or is this the Philadelphia Flyers starting to hit a wall here, Charlie? It's tough to say, but I think that over, I guess we're talking about now the first three and a half months of the season, I I think their play over that span, at least for me, it it gives me the willingness to kind of cut them some slack. Uh, They they went through a really, really demanding schedule in in January. Uh, A lot of trips out west, um, I guess dating back, honestly, to uh, that post-Christmas week. But a few trips out west, a lot of games. They've already played 50 games this year, which is very much at the top of the league in terms of most games played thus far. It, to me, it just seemed like they started to run out of gas a little bit. I know there are a few players on the team that are playing through injuries. I just think this team really needed the week off, and they all pretty much echoed that after uh, the final <laughs> loss on um, yeah. Yeah, it was basically everyone in that locker room because obviously I covered the uh, the final game, the the six two loss to to Boston before the break, and they all pretty much said we yeah. we need a reset. It, and that happens, you know. This is a team that before this five game losing streak had a five game winning streak. They were playing really well. I do think that yeah. you know one of the one of the flaws that we we all kind of see in this team. And the Flyers and John Harrell have been open about it. Is that you know they don't have the superstar guys. And what you did see during this five-game losing streak is they play quite a few teams that have those kinds of guys. You know they played Colorado. They played um, they played Boston with Pasternak. Um, and there's just and they played Tampa. And in those games the star level players took them apart. You know, McKinnon was dominant. Uh, Kucherov and point were dominant. Pasternak was dominant. So it did showcase what they're lacking. That said, they've beaten really good teams this year too. So I don't think, I don't think it's a, it's a sign that they're going to go into a tailspin. It's just a reminder that, you know, this team, while they're playing really well as a group, they don't have those guys. And if they play against teams that have those guys, sometimes they're going to get burned. Yeah. You know, we always think of rebuilds going one direction. I always make the point. It's bunny hops. That's when it comes. That That's what rebuilds are uh, for every team. And as much as, to your point, five-game rip one way and then a five-game rip the other way, that's just that's just a rebuild, baby. That's uh, that's just a rebuild. Um, were there any were there any particular players, because you mentioned you were there to, to cover that last game, like it really did seem for a long time here, like the Flyers have been a story because it looks like they are punching above their weight. And it is the weight of expectation. And expectation was low for the Philadelphia Flyers this year, but you know they're a you know a cruiserweight that's hanging in there with with heavyweights here. Were there a couple of players you kind of looked at or wondered about and said, yeah, you know what, number blank here, man, he really needs a break. He needs a rest. He needs a rest. He needs a he needs a reset. I, honestly, quite a few players. Uh, I, I definitely think, and this <laughs> probably plays into why. But it probably plays into why they they lost five straight. A lot of the guys, to my eyes, who need the biggest reset are the guys at the top of their lineup. Sean Gattari missed a couple games on a road trip. I think he's playing banged up. Travis Konechny has had a great year, but he's struggling right now. Travis Sanheim got off to a fantastic start, um, but over the last maybe six weeks or so, first the offense went away, but he was still playing well. Then over the last few games, he hasn't even really been playing that well. I just think that, again, this plays into what I was saying about 
them facing off against teams with superstars, and those superstars have kind of been taking the Flyers apart. You can pull it off if you're the Flyers if your top-end players are playing really well because those are the guys that are getting the matchups uh, against you know McKinnon, against Kucherov, against Pasternak. But if Couturier isn't at his best, if Konechny isn't you know driving play off ice, if Sanheim isn't you know kind of holding down the fort in the defensive zone. And those guys are really going to have the opportunity to take you apart because they're just so good. I think more than anything else, it's those guys at the top end of the lineup for the Flyers that really need this break. And they just need, just need number one to, to, you know, I guess recuperate a little bit. I suspect more than a couple of them are a little banged up. But more than anything, I think they just need yeah. a mental reset. Flyers have been leaning on them so much this season. I think it's yep. just going to help for them to, to get a little bit of a break. The goaltending. Now, let me preface this by saying this. Um, internally, we have been told here, and I think it's wise, um, when dealing with as sensitive a story, we should never guess until we know 100%. So, uh, when we're talking about the Philadelphia Flyers goaltending situation, let me just say before we have the conversation, Carter Hart has taken leave from the team. Again, I'm not guessing. Uh, I don't think it's wise to, but the fact is Carter Hart has taken a leave of absence. Now, the hockey ramifications of this, this is a lot for Sam Erson. Um, not to say that he hasn't shown that he can shoulder the load or that he's you know, going to become a bona fide, legitimate, long-term NHL goaltender, uh, but do you have a thought on, on Sammy Erson through all of this? Yeah, I mean, we interviewed Danny Briere last Wednesday. Um, which was obviously after you know the the indefinite leave of ab- yep. absence was announced for Carter Hart, and he couldn't answer any questions about Carter, but he was able to yep. answer questions about Sam Erson. And what he made clear is they believe Sam Erson can be a number one goalie at the NHL level. They are extremely high on him, and that that matches with everything that I've heard you know over the last couple years from people within the organization. Yep. I don't think this is something that they're they're pumping up Erson because they don't have any other. Choice but to bump him up. I think they believe in him. And really, since since November 3rd, he had a rough start to the year. They weren't playing him much. He got blown out in his first two games, then came in relief in, in Buffalo in early November. But you know, since November 3rd, which was, I guess, the fourth appearance of his season he's got a 913 save yeah. percentage and he's been one of the one of the best goalies if you're looking at advanced metrics at least the public models like goal saves goals saved above expected he stopped something like 11 over expectation you know per evolving hockey's uh, model so the numbers and the eye test really do match up. He's been playing really well since November. Over these last couple games, he's had a little bit of a dip. I do think that's more uh, due to the team than, than anything he was you know, he was doing. But it, the, the hard truth is that it's going to be a lot. And, you know, Erson was playing really well through most of this stretch, but he was playing really well knowing that he wasn't the guy. You know, he was in at most right. a timeshare for a lot of it. He was getting about you know thirty to forty percent of the starts. Now he's the guy, and you can't tell me that that doesn't change, you know, the the pressure, Huge. the mentality you have to have on a nightly Huge. basis. And I, I don't know how he's going to respond. What I can tell you is the Flyers love his mental makeup. One uh, one game that that John Tortorella always goes back to when he's talking about Arison, and this was last year when he got called up. He he started a game in Carolina, and he just didn't have it. He he did not have it. They pull him. Hart comes in. I believe it was Hart, but another goalie comes in, and then that goalie gets hurt, and they have to bring Arison back in. And I think Tortorella went into that game, bringing him back in, thinking, "Oh God, we're going to give up 11 goals." Like he's just he just doesn't have it. And <laughs> instead, in, in, instead, Arison comes back in. He holds down the fort, and the Flyers make a big comeback. And for whatever reason, that has stuck in John Tortorella's mind when it comes to Sam Arison, in that he believes Sam Arison is a mentally tough goalie. So they trust that he's going to figure this out. Now, it might not happen overnight. There might be some bumps in the road, and I think they know that. But they believe that Arison has the mental makeup to be a number one, and I think they believe that Arison has the mental makeup to be able to handle a tough situation like this. You know, I, I know that, uh, and that's a very thorough answer too, and I, I'm with you. that There's a lot to take out of that one, and I think one of the key ones is there is a mental difference between being the backup and the starter. Ask any any goaltender um, when they made that transition how hard it is and difficult that is mentally for a goaltender uh, to prepare to be number one. Um, I know that 
Chuck Fletcher, I don't want to say was, you know, was, was driven out of town, but I mean, Flyers, Flyers fans, you know, really, really uh, turned on Fletcher. Um, does the fact that Owen Tippett has blossomed with the Flyers and with a you know shiny new contract in his hip pockets, um, does that trade in any way, shape or form help rehabilitate, rehabilitate Chuck Fletcher's image in Philadelphia? The hard answer is no, because I just think there's so much <laughs> resentment. I, I just think, and look, I'm not going to say that, that Chuck Fletcher made the right decisions, especially in that final season um, when he was more or less a, a dead man walking by the end in Philadelphia. And a lot of people in Philadelphia have pinned the the demise of the Flyers in the wake of the pandemic on Chuck Fletcher's moves. Some that he certainly deserves criticism for others like the Ryan Ellis trade that just really, really didn't break his way to me. I don't yeah. think the outcome of the Claude Giroux Owen Tippett trade is going to change many people's opinion in Philadelphia about Chuck Fletcher, because I think those opinions are just, fair. I tried. I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I do think, I do think <laughs> it may change opinions of Fletcher nationally though, because if, if you think back and again, yeah. I'm not saying that everything Chuck Fletcher did in Philly was great, but he was hamstrung in that trade. You know, Claude Giroux only wanted totally. to go to one team. He only wanted to go to Florida and for, for Fletcher to get Owen Tippett out of that deal. And, and to be clear, at the time, Owen Tippett wasn't Owen Tippett, wasn't the guy he is now. He was a guy who I think a, a decent amount of people in, in the hockey world thought he might be a bust, that he just might not have it. And, you know, yeah, he was a top 10 pick, but top 10 picks bust sometimes. And what Fletcher was able to do is he was able to identify a guy who – they were. They knew they were going to be able to give him the playing time he wasn't getting in Florida, and then it was just going to be up to the coaches to get it out of him and the player to be able to take a step. And you know, obviously, credit Owen Tippett. He's done great in Philadelphia. He earned that contract. But I do give Chuck Fletcher credit for making the best out of a, a really tough situation with Drew and identifying a guy in Tippett who was kind of an undervalued asset at the time. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm with you. I know, and, and and listen, you're there. You're closer to it than I am. But I mean, you know that a lot of those, I'm trying to give Chuck Fletcher a, a, a softer landing here. A lot of those decisions that Chuck Fletcher made, uh, I'm not so sure that he was the only one with the hand on the wheel uh, for a lot of them. Like as a general manager, you'll stand up and you'll you know you'll 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 fall on the grenade for it. Like you're the GM, the buck stops here and all that. But there were, it sounds very much at that time, you know, there weren't just, you know, two hands on the wheel when making decisions for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, geez, we're out of time. Uh, Charlie, always, always uh, love catching up with you. Uh, I still continue to think the Flyers are one of the most interesting teams uh, in the NHL. Great that you're on the beat and always appreciate you coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. Charlie O'Connor from uh, PHLY Sports, co-host of the PHLY Flyers podcast, and uh, it, it continues to be an intriguing team. Curious to see what happens with Sean Walker. Curious to see what happens with Nick Sealer uh, come trade deadline time too. And Elliot seems really hot on the idea that they're going to take or already have taken a significant run at trying to re-sign Travis Konechny uh, to a long-term deal. That would probably be in the Flyers' best interests you know that's one player who when other teams come calling have tried to pry Travis Konechny away uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers was it two summers ago they got real close to moving Travis Konechny and then backed off Um, probably the smartest thing that the Philadelphia Flyers uh, could have done at that time and for now as well Uh, as you can tell I'm a big Travis Konechny guy Um, I think if I'm the Philadelphia Flyers I'm doing whatever it takes to make sure that this guy is very much in the mix, although there are at the same time, too, outside of Travis Konechny, you know, a lot of rumors around different players. Maybe you want to throw Morgan Frost into that conversation as well, you know, about the future um, in the NHL and does it include the color orange? Let's put it that way. In the meantime, before we go to break, and I want to have fun with this one, let me set it up. Time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Uh, Matt Marchese is not here today, so let me try to do my Bet 
my best Matt Marchese impression, okay? So here's the game. It's Kraken facing off against the San Jose Sharks. Did I ever mention to you once that uh, I was at a tryout or a skate with Sam Gagne? Uh, Kraken Sharks is the game tonight. Puck line is Kraken minus one and a half. Did I mention that we had a two-on-one together, as a matter of fact? I was really good back then. Seattle is four and one in the last five against San Jose. The under has hit in six of the last eight games between these two teams. The Sharks are two and ten in their last 12 games against the West. Western Conference. That is one of two games on the board this evening. That is our sports interaction game of the night. The Kraken and the San Jose Sharks. And because I'm doing my nickel and dime, Matt Marchese, uh, did I ever mention that on that two-on-one, I feathered Sam Gagne a beautiful pass. Of course, he's Sam Gagne, and he tapped it in. He came and skated by me afterwards, and he said, hey, nice pass. You know, we all have different claim to fame. I'm Matt Marchese, and that's mine. I passed the puck to Sam Gagne once. Love you, miss you, Maddie. That was Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Hour two is on the horizon. Uh, Going to talk to Steve Goldstein, the Florida Panthers play-by-play voice from Bally Sports, Florida. They're super legit, right? That was no fluke last year, right? They might win the Stanley Cup this year. At least maybe go back. So we'll talk to Goldie coming up at the bottom of hour two, but greeting us in moments... From the NHL Network, he is the great EJ Raddick. Tour around the NHL at all-star, at sort of all-star break, because we get two games tonight and three tomorrow. I know, it's that week. You're like me. You just like to stay up late and watch hockey games. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Got to find the exact text here. So, um, I don't like to use the term hero very often. When it comes to 32 Thoughts, the podcast, Elliot and I uh, like to either scream at each other. That was the most recent one. Or um, make mistakes. We do that often. Or ask questions that we, A, don't know the answer to, and B, are too lazy to find out. So it's a good thing that EJ Raddick pays attention to everything. So we were having a conversation (laughs) on the podcast about a week and a half ago, and uh, you know where I'm going, EJ. And we wondered openly, okay, I wonder which very specific game in the history of the NHL featured the most Hall of Famers the yeah. next day after the pod came out, EJ Raddick with the text, uh, Hey, Jeff, most future Hall of Famers in a game, 18 back in game five, 1956 Stanley Cup final, Detroit, Montreal, hope all is well. Added another to that because <laughs> Al Arbor, who didn't go in as a player, yeah. went in as a coach. But EJ, first of all, he welcome EJ Raddick from the NHL Network to the broadcast, one of the, my favorite people to talk to in the world, period. Oh. Um, that was Thank the you. that was the text <laughs> that completely... that comp- It did a couple of things. One, it answered a question that Elliot and I are too lazy to look up, and B, mm-hmm. validated that actually smart people listen to the podcast, which always stuns me, EJ. But welcome to this program, well, speaking of... Speaking well, of goofiness i suppose how you doing pal well i I don't know if i'd qualify as all that smart but it was it did intrigue me and to be full disclosure like i started thinking about different teams and different eras and then i uh we have uh, a a guy lawrence goldstein who is our 100 percent best research guy at our place and maybe the best research guy ever he's just he's just a wonderful person and so we got a back and forth going, and then we ended up with the answer. So I got to give Lawrence a shout out as well. But like when I heard it, it did prompt my my thinking, and I went through like you know like Red Wings Avs games from the early 2000s, late 90s. That era when there was those four teams that really were the teams, right? It was the Red Wings, the Stars, the, yeah. the Devils, and uh, the Avalanche. And you know I thought maybe a mix of those games, but then we went back even further, and then we we came upon. Uh, you know, that game. So I got to give a shout out to Lawrence, who always does great, great work. He is the wind uh, beneath our wings at the NHL Network, a thousand percent. <laughs> La Première Etoile, the first star, come on the en français yeah, at uh, yeah. the old Montreal Forum. You, yeah. you know, that's um, just by the way, like 
Is that not a staggering number? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you added one more. Like getting, because, you know, Al Arbor. Who, yeah, who left Al Arbor. It. We have, he's a Hall of Famer. I know that he, as a player, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. I had the good fortune of watching those Islanders teams in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and, and seeing what a wonderful and unbelievable coach Al Arbor was. So uh, for me, yeah. you know, that, he's a Hall of Famer. That counts. So 19 in one game is yeah. uh, it's amazing. But I guess it's, it's a testament to the, the original six era and the greatness of those particular teams, mostly the Montreal Canadiens and also the Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, um, EJ, how are you doing today? You know that this I'm is. Good. Um, I'm good. I don't good. know how you feel. I don't, I don't know how you feel about this season so far, um, yeah. but it has seemed like the biggest hockey soap opera season I've <laughs> I've ever been part of. It seems as if yeah. every day you wake up and it's another chapter. It's not another day. It's not a schedule mm-hmm. of games. It's like a, a telenovela. Like what are the stories that are, are coming out of out of this? Uh, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. Quite the opposite. No. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think we haven't seen, you know, storylines either on or off the ice outside of the one very obvious one. Um, yeah. that, uh, that we're all being very delicate and careful around. As I've been warned, don't guess, Jeff, don't guess. But it seems yeah. as if every single day this season, this, um, this NHL year has been the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm crossing my fingers hoping that this is the way of the future for the NHL, for hockey. I mean, a lot of like, oh, this is too much like basketball. Like, good. Yeah. Because every day's a story <laughs> in the NBA. How's yeah. it as we're at the All Star break here, EJ? How's it felt for you? It's been a very strange year, and it's been uh, aside from the storyline, just the just the figuring out what's going on the ice has been interesting, right? I mean, think about some of the teams. The Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers start out; they're dreadful. They can't get out of their own way. I was up at the Heritage Classic. Yeah, uh, they had a nice performance against Calgary that day. But they end up firing the coach, and now here they are. They've had an eight-game winning streak and a current, I believe, it's 16 games. I, I may have lost track with, with all that's going on. But, I mean, they're rolling right now. You wouldn't have predicted that in October. If you had watched them play, they looked so dreadful. The L.A. Kings were playing great. They started the season with 11 road wins. Now they can't get out of their own way. They're thinking about, who knows, maybe they fire their coach. They're almost out of a playoff spot now after being really great at the start of the season. So, you know, there's another team. Uh, You know, the St. Louis Blues made a coaching change. I did their game against the Kings the other day. Now they've been playing well and and finding a way to play off spot. Uh, It's just been a crazy year. The Islanders go out and hire Patrick Waugh. To me, it's a great story. It's long overdue that Patrick is back in the league and coaching, so I'm really happy to hear that. But, you know, they've got challenges there with the New York Islanders roster, and so that will be interesting to watch. The Rangers were another team, right, Jeff? I heard you talking about them the other day off to a great start, had a great cushion, and now they're really struggling, albeit they had a nice win against Ottawa the other night, but it's been a struggle for them. And so we're seeing a lot of that this year, and I think it just goes to the fact that this is a long season. It's hard to maintain a high-level play, and Mm -hmm. uh, it's tight. It is tight. I try to tell it to fans all the time. One night to the next, it is hard to predict who's going to win in this league because the teams are very, very close in terms of the talent on those particular rosters. Could not agree more. Let me um let me try to force feed a strained analogy to you, EJ. I'm gonna, I'm gonna right. see where where this goes. You you and I generally are on on the same wavelength for these for these types of things. So, ancient map makers. Okay, so ancient <laughs> map makers. If you look at if you look at uh-huh. ancient maps, um, there's you know the the known territories and they're all named. And then yeah. when you got to a part of the globe where map makers really didn't know what was there, they would simply write "Here be dragons, here be dragons, here be dragons." We don't know what's here. Here be yeah. dragons. Yeah. When you look at the 32 NHL teams. Boy, EJ, I know this is a strained analogy. Like when you look at a team or a couple of teams and you say, I really don't know, here be dragons. Who are the teams that you look at and you say, man, I have no idea what's there. Might as well just write here be dragons. Well, I mean, I, and I do love your, uh, your love for, for history. So that's, uh, (laughs) you know, part of, part of this as well. We share that, that love, but, uh, yeah, yeah, a, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of dragons. 
around this league everywhere you look. I mean, every kind of yeah. every team. I mean, you know, one that the one that came to mind right away for me is the Pittsburgh Penguins because they still have Crosby yeah. playing at an unbelievably high level, right? They have Malkin, they have Latang, they have Carlson. Uh, you know, they have obviously like a lot of teams in this league, Jeff. I think a lot of these teams are just top heavy, right? Because of the salary cap. That's what it's done. You have your top players, you sure. have your handful of guys that you're paying, and then it really falls off. The Penguins, though, to me, are just so strange because there's some nights when they look really good and they compete with anybody, and other nights they're just dreadful. So it's hard to know. Like right yeah. now, they're outside of the of the playoff picture. I get the sense, even though that they do have, uh, you know, Crosby still playing, as I mentioned, as a, at a really high level. Can they get there? I have no idea. I mean, the Eastern Conference, I mean, both conferences, it's it's a crapshoot. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know what they got there right now. I just know this. They won two Stanley Cups in the, uh, you know, in the mid-2010s, right, back-to-back. -back. I don't think they've won a Stanley Cup playoff series since. They didn't make the playoffs last year, so it seems like yeah. that's been going in the, you know, in the same direction for a while. So maybe they don't make it again this year. But they're going to – they are they and the Washington Capitals, right, because that's the Ovechkin era, the Crosby era teams – they are going to have to have that reckoning at some point. The Capitals have tried to face it a little bit quickly or more quickly with moving some people out. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Kyle Dubas, I'm, you know, he, he got a long-term contract, and I think he's going to need every minute of it because it is not going to be easy over the next several years to mm. eventually have to make those moves to say goodbye to the Tangs and the Malkins and the Crosbys at some point down the road. So, I mean uh, – to your mm -hmm. point about, like, who knows, the Pittsburgh Penguins, some nights they look great, other nights, not so much. Here be dragons. Uh, here be dragons. Yeah. You know, when I think of the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins and, and Kyle Dubas, you know, you, know what, you know what jumps out at me, EJ? The number six jumps out at me. And I, I look at, you know, the, the plan for the Penguins. One, you need to help, you know, restock the cupboards and the prospect pipeline and draft picks and all yeah. these types of things. Uh, you know, but going along with that, I think the plan, no matter who was going to get this job, Kyle Dubas or yeah. whomever else yeah. was going to get this job, it seemed very much from Fenway Sports, the idea was we want to be competitive, sixth position, you know, six out of eight in yeah. the Eastern Conference, yeah. just enough to, to get in, uh, win around, maybe, maybe or maybe not win around. Maybe one year you do and the fan base gets really excited. Yeah. All the while, underneath all of that, is where the, the restocking of the Pittsburgh Penguins occurs. Problem is, here we are in year one, and it's not working out. And if they don't make the playoffs come again, uh, I, I do wonder about, like what, you, uh, sort of what you're talking about here, yeah. some of the changes and changes to significant pieces as well. Like, I don't think Crosby's going anywhere. Matter of fact, I think yeah. on July 1st, we're probably going to get a press release about number 87. But the yeah. other guys, I don't know, EJ. I, I really don't know about those guys. I really don't. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's really hard. People talk about it all the time, right? Like, you know, they're going to try to rebuild on the fly or we're going to try to, you know, stay uh, competitive but retool. These are difficult things to do. And so, yep. you know, I, I just think, you know, it's almost to me, really, Jeff, to be honest, it's kind of a fool's errand. I don't think you can do it. And to your point, you're talking about, well, well, maybe we'll make the playoffs. I mean, the guys in those rooms around this league, you know, yeah, making the playoffs is nice, but the dream is to win the Stanley Cup and to be ultra competitive and to try to get there. That's how they've gotten to this level. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. It's happened when you think about it in every franchise where they've had greatness in their teams. I mean, at the end of the day, we've been both been around long enough. There comes a time when these guys move on and you have to say goodbye to them. And it's almost never easy. It's almost never clean. It's the rare time that someone retires and they're raising the Stanley Cup and they they retire or they play their whole career with the yeah. one team and they've had this great run and they go out that way. Almost always, right, there is a uh, a back and forth. Look at Henrik Lundqvist, for example, with the Rangers. The king, the king, who beloved in New York. Yeah. At the end, other guys came along, right? Shesterkin came along. All of a sudden, the fans were like, well, maybe it's time for Henrik to move on. He ended up he ended up almost playing with the Washington Capitals, and if it wasn't for a health I issue, know. he would have. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's just yeah. never easy, and I do feel for Kyle because – you know, obviously he's getting well paid. He's got a long contract. He knows what he's getting into. He's a big boy. But, like, it is not going to be easy in Pittsburgh to, over these next several years to say goodbye to some of these players and also 
to see what happens with Sidney Crosby. I think he's going to stay the rest of his career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that's his plan. But if the team really struggles, yeah. listen, I thought Patrick Kane always would stay in Chicago. I thought other guys would stay in different places. You never really know how it's going to play out. That will there, be something for us to watch over the next several years. There's always been this undercurrent. Con- I'm so glad you brought this up, EJ, because there's always been this sort of yeah. undercurrent conversation of, you know, what if, and maybe just for one season, last year of a contract, yeah. we could see Sidney Crosby playing with Nathan McKinnon. And yeah. as you look at what Colorado is looking for, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, like the, you know, the Nova, the, and the, maybe it'll go crazy in the Maritimes that ever happened. I mean, Nova Scotia will be on fire yeah. if you got Crosby and, and, and Nathan McKinnon yeah. playing together. But let me, let me dovetail that conversation into, into Colorado. And okay. there's some injury situations, some off ice situation with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, they're in a really, really tight race here in the Central. You know, I was making the point yesterday. I was on with uh, Brian Ray was on. I was trying to make the point with Brian yeah. that like nobody wants to finish anywhere but first in that race: Dallas, yeah. Winnipeg, and Colorado, because you do not want to face one of the other teams in that opening round. When you look at the top of the Central Division, EJ, like what jumps out at you amongst those three teams? Well, I think that Colorado is clearly the most dynamic of those teams and uh you know let's assume that they're gonna you know let's look at these teams as if at the end they have all their pieces back and colorado just added greasy yeah. to the mix and you know let's hope that val nachushkin can get back and be a part of that team again yeah so we'll have to wait and see on that but i mean they are the most they had the biggest engine i mean like that defense with mccarr and byram and the and and I mean, that with uh, Gerard and Taze, I mean, that is a huge engine to drive that team. And then you have Nathan McKinnon, who, you know, in this league, Jeff, I mean, we all, you know, we have our phrases about, you know, guys we'd watch. We're lucky. We get to watch these guys. We get to get a press pass, go in and watch them. And, you know, but for Nathan yeah. McKinnon, I'll pay to watch Nathan McKinnon any day of the week because it is unbelievable. This guy, I had the good fortune of calling the, the Flyers and Avalanche about uh, 10 days ago now, and then watching a lot of their games this year. I mean, he's off the chart. I mean, when he gets the puck in the defensive zone, I don't know about you, Jeff. I have never seen that before. I mean, the the motor, the engine, the – it's like you stand up and you're like, this guy could go end-to-end at any moment in the game. And he's taking – it seems like he's taking things to another level. Listening to Gerard Bednar talk – Jared Bednar talk about – like his off ice and his training regimen. I mean, he has taken it, you know, to another place. So, you know, for me, the Avalanche are the most dynamic by far. I think the Winnipeg Jets have a mm-hmm. lot of really great talent, but I think they're the team that is maybe the best defensively with with a, a veteran goalie in there and Hellebuck who signed now long-term and playing very yeah. well this year. And I think Dallas is in between. I think Dallas has got some dynamic elements to their game. And I think they defend pretty well. And they have a great goalie in Ottinger. I mean, that's the the, the, the the question mark for Colorado, right? Will Georgiev be good enough when it matters? And if he isn't, where do they turn? I mean, I have no idea where they turn. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple of guys there that are that are kind of rattling around, but, like, no real experience. So I think Colorado is the team I would pick just because, I mean, there's so much fun to watch. But I think you're right. I mean, the yeah. idea of finishing second and third. But, but remember – Colorado, I think, won the division last year. They avoided a 2-3 matchup. They got the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, they got Seattle. (laughs) So, I mean, this league is crazy. To the back to the start of our conversation, this league is kind of crazy in that way in a seven-game series. But the Avalanche are just – I'll be curious to see what they do, what other kind of little moves they can make before the deadline. But those three teams, you're right, they're really – it's an interesting mix at them kind of chipping away at each other at the top of that division. You know, it's it's interesting they bring up that Seattle Colorado series because in the NHL, at the NHL Players Tour in Vegas, uh, Elliot and I were talking to Jack Hughes every year. We love the park time with Jack Hughes, one of the best yeah. interviews in the in the yeah. game, hands down. And he was talking about that series against the Rangers, and you know the Seattle mm-hmm. Kraken eliminated the Colorado Avalanche. And he said that was actually a galvanizing moments. Like that was a galvanizing series yeah. for the New Jersey Devils, where they all kind of went, yeah. "Hey guys, we can do this." Look what Seattle yep. just did to the defending Stanley Cup champions. Let me let me swing back on McKinnon. 
So the way that I've always described him, EJ, is he's the closest thing that I've ever seen to a rhinoceros on skates. I know anyone who's (laughs) listened or watched this program before knows, okay, here goes Merrick with the rhino comments again. Uh, But, like, you uh, look at him, like, on the the zone entry on the power play, he gets the drop pass, and it's an automatic entry. And guys are bouncing off of him, and it's like he's a superhero. And then yeah. I look at the guy in the other conference who's a con- uh, in consideration for the Hart Trophy, and that's Nikita Kucherov. And they could not be more different yeah. players. Like, yes. McKinnon is just explosive and powerful. And then you have yeah. this magician in Tampa yeah. who gets people to bite and gets people to like, you know, I always, you know, I always tell my kids that when they're playing hockey, always give out bad information, always give out bad information, yeah. always, you know, slight of hand, uh, bad information, yeah. give up. Ba- okay. Nobody, nobody does it better than Nikita yeah. Kutra. And he's doing it against NHLers who should know better and have yeah. seen better. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always forever in awe of that fake one timer pass to the bumper position to watch yeah. Braden Point score, or it goes all the way across the Stamkos for the one-timer. Yep. Everyone knows it's coming, but everybody still bites. You got the magician yeah. in the east, and you got the freight train in the west. <laughs> I've asked you about yeah. McKinnon. What do you see when you see Kucherov and his sleight of hand out there? It's it's amazing. He is so cerebral a player, and he is such a great player. And, uh, you know, when you've been watching hockey for a long time, and if you appreciate the subtleties of the game, he's one of those guys that just makes you smile when you watch him play. I remember a couple yeah. years back, he was having a he was having a big year, and like like Nikita Kucherov doesn't say much. Now he's 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 an, he's a Russian-born guy comes over here and plays. Uh, he, I'm sure that amongst his teammates, he's probably chatty, and uh, you know that they have a relationship. But with us in the media, right, we don't yeah. hear too much from Nikita Kucherov, you know. So. I saw him at an all-star game and I, it was after like this sequence of games that I had been watching where the same thing, like you said, just mm-hmm. wonderful to watch. Just so cerebral, so smart. And just, and he's tougher than you think. And he, he has all these elements to his game. Mm-hmm. And so he walked by and I kind of put my slap, my arm, my hand on his arm. And he like, was like taken aback. Like, who is this crazy person? Like he was just walking to get his picture taken at the all-star game. And I looked at him and he kind of looked at me and I just said, you are so blank and good. And I just wanted to get a reaction out of him. And he just smiled and he laughed and we just laughed and he just went down the hall. But that's how I feel about him. He is so damn good of a player and uh, just amazing to watch. Uh, As you say, he's a magician, he's cerebral. And those passes that he makes through through the seams are unbelievable. Yeah. And, the, and the way he receives passes through the seams and can shoot the puck off those, like it's almost like a sweep shot where the goalie has no time to react. He's been really good at that pass, not only with Stamkos, but with Brandon Hagel. They must practice a lot together. Like when they practice, yeah. they, work, they must work on that. Those two guys can make really good plays through the seam. And not only in power play, but a lot of time in five-on-five situations. So those two guys this year have been unbelievably good. Take your pick. I mean, I think McKinnon is the guy that draws yeah. you out of your seat more, and McKinnon and, and Kucherov is the guy that just makes you go, wow, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so then here, here becomes the question. Um, do we count out Tampa at our own peril? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, they went through the first, what, six weeks of the season without uh, yeah. Vasilevsky, maybe Vasilevsky, more than yeah. that, right? Yeah, I mean, so that's a – and they got through that period of time. They just haven't been – I mean, they're, again, they're so top-heavy, Jeff, right? They're so top-heavy, and they're yeah. hoping for young guys to come in and help them. And, you know, some of these younger guys have come in and played better of late, and they have played better of late. They have a great organization from the top ownership all the way down. They're very well coached. They have some of the very, very best players in the league. If you put them on the power play, they're just going to kill you. I mean, that's just, you know, and people, guys take penalties in games. That's just the way it is. So they're absolutely going to kill you on the power play. Their penalty killing has been better. Their goalie is back. It's going to be hard for them, you know, just because other teams are a little bit better this year. But I'm going to take Mm -hmm. my chances and say that Tampa Bay Lightning will still find a way in because they're just – and in regular season games where you're playing different teams night after night, they they can win games on with special teams and on the power play. Now I don't know if that's you know if that can get them all the way there, but if I'm looking at 
wagering on it. I just think those guys are still just too good to say they can't get there. Let me um uh, let me close with this one. Uh, we've got two games tonight, three games tomorrow, and then it's all eyes on Toronto for the All-Star weekend. Um, I like the way they're doing the skills competition this year. I had Steve Merritt, Chief Content Officer for the NHL, on the, on the program yeah. yesterday. I like the idea of players competing in, now I know they're not doing all of them, but the majority of all the skills to crown yeah. essentially the ultimate skills player, like the NHL All-Star skills champion, as opposed to just having, yeah. okay, this player has the hardest shot, this player skates the fastest, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I like that. Like to the point where I hope that at the end of it, they present like a pro wrestling style belt or a trophy <laughs> or something that can sit at the Hall yeah. of Fame and they can drag it out every year and say, this is <coughs> what you're competing competing for your name on this or this around uh, yeah. around around your waist um and and here's why this is long-winded dj i apologize here's why i like <laughs> it whenever i have an internal conversation about who is a better hockey player you know jean belleville or, or uh mario lemieux here's what i do um and this goes back to my time working with bill waters who first drew me into this way to evaluate players mm -hmm. against each other he said take mm -hmm. two players rocket richard and mark messier and focus in on all the skills that go into making a hockey player, skating, shooting, passing, vision, uh, toughness, all of it, go into making a player. Take five Messiers and five Rocket Richards, two goaltenders, equal value at each end, drop the puck. Who wins the game? And that's kind of what this skills competition, I think, does or goes to at least answer a question. It says, okay, we're taking as many of the skills as possible that go into making a hockey player and we're figuring out who can do it the best. I'm kind of embarrassed myself that I didn't yeah. think about doing this or brought this as a suggestion to the NHL. Yeah. Like, Hey, why don't you guys crown like a champion? Uh, I'm just glad yeah. that they're doing it. What do you think of the way they're doing skills this year, EJ? Sorry yeah, for long winded that's, that's okay. Listen, I'm been pretty well along with it myself in my career. You can ask the people who've worked with me. They can tell you. But the, uh, I, I mean, I've been around long enough to see a number of all-star formats, a number of skills formats over the years, and they're always trying to make it something uh, more interesting for the fans, right, and more interesting for those in attendance yeah. and obviously those watching on TV. So, And for the people who are participating, right, for the players who are participating, right, to give them a little – Yep. reason to uh to kind of compete a little harder bring out that competitive nature in those guys and uh you know i yeah. i think we'll see over time right it'll be interesting this year for sure because it's the first time we do it will it stand the test of time i like your idea of having something that you give out every year where there's a number of great names on it i mean it's like when you if you win the yes. Norris trophy for example right you get to see you know the names of uh you know harvey and yep. and bork and or and those things. so i think i like that i like that now will they stay with it long enough because that's the thing people come up with these things and then they they put it aside after three or four years it's a it's a big picture right it's the long view it it's something that has has you know resonates when you've got 30 years of names on there and so you have to stay with something yeah. like that to 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 give it the value that you're talking about if it's something that has three names on it and now we're not going to do it anymore it doesn't have a chance so will yep. they, will they stay with it yep. we will see i know they've tried a lot of different things over the years to try to create interest you know people watch that all-star game and they're like well you know it's Listen, the guys are not going to hit each other. There's too much money at stake. Guys are not going to get hurt. It's a show for the fans. It's no. a show for the sponsors. It's a show to have the greatest players yes. in one spot. I Kids. think to your point, though, this yes. does – Exactly. I always say people like you're going to the All-Star game, and it's like, listen, it's an honor and a privilege for me to do what I do. I'm very, very blessed that I do it. But at the end of the day, like the All-Star game isn't really for me. It's for, it's for kids to go – like I can't tell you how many times, Jeff, I've seen those 100%. kids around. They're now adults. They're now adults. There are people who come up to me. Oh, I remember I saw you at the All Star Game in 1999. I was I was like eight years old, and yep. you know somebody was signing. I mean, that's what it's really for at the end of the day, and a chance to kind of celebrate the great players and have a great weekend there this year in Toronto. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and I'll be curious to see how it plays out. That's the thing. I mean, when they did the draft the first year, that was exciting. They did it for a couple of years, then they stopped. Now they're bringing it back this year. So let's see how that plays out again. Yeah. I, I want to pick up on one thing there, um, and yeah. I could not agree with you more. You know, there was one very specific hockey day in my life where my life got better.
And it was the day that I realized, EJ, that not everything is intended for me. <laughs> and when I hear some of my <laughs> colleagues right. talk about how That's they right. hate the all-star game and yeah. they won't go, I always yeah. say to myself now, yeah. it's not for you. Why do you grouse right. about it? This isn't for you. Yeah. It's for, to your yeah. point, it's for kids and it's for people yeah. to have the nerve to keep the lights on in the place. That's, That's right. what That's this right. thing is for. I, and it, right. it, it's tough fellow colleagues who hate the all-star, but I got to tell you, it's not for you. <laughs> And not that's everything right. has and to I, be for you, and that that's every, okay. Not everything has to be. There was <laughs> there was only one All Star game in my life that I would say is was for me, and I would say you would probably agree with this yeah. for you as well. Is when they had it in L.A. when they had the hundred year anniversary of the NHL, and they had all those that was cool. players yeah. there. And like I yeah, just remember, that was awesome. I was I was like that little kid walking around, and you'd walk into the hotel lobby, <laughs> and you'd see the, all these legends of different yeah. eras in one place. And the so the, cool. the the the, the yeah. story that I'll remember forever is just seeing Red Kelly like in the back. He was in a back room of Best. like the place. He was look he was looking for his jacket. Right, because they had given them these jackets, but he had another jacket that he wore to the event. And I'm not somebody that likes to kind of get in the kitchen of these people when they're not. When if I have to ask them something, I will. But I had not met Red Kelly, and I always kind of admired him because he's someone that played center, he played defense, he had this great life experience yes. being in yes. politics. And yes. and so I said in my head, it's now or never. And so I just walked over and I excused myself. I excused him <laughs> and said, you know, hi, Mr. Kelly. I mean, Jay Rodic, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, I'll tell you what, it, it's just, I tell it now, just like I could tell it then. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful experience for me to have met him and uh, yes. the hockey Gentlemen. history. Like we took, goes back to the start, right, Jeff? We both have a love for history and we love this game. And so we yeah. love the history. It's very interesting. And back to the start, about 19 Hall of Famers, right? At the end of the day, yep. to have met Red Kelly and to share a, a little bit of a conversation with him and his wife, it was a it was a wonderful experience that I'll never forget. So that All Star Game that year was for me. Beautiful people, and we'll end on another historical <laughs> note. He's one of my the answer to one of my favorite tr hockey trivia questions, and that is yeah. name the player who's played who's uh, won the most Stanley Cups with eight and never played on the Habs, the Islanders, or the Oilers. It was Red Kelly. Four with the Red Wings, there four with go. the Toronto Maple Leafs, four as yep. a defenseman, four as a center. You're the best yep. for taking us down that lane, EJ. Uh, thanks, pal. You be good. I know you parked more time than you right. than you bargained for when you said, "Yeah, I'll come on with Merrick." Uh, thanks no as problem. always, pal. You be good. Talk, love talk talking to you i'll see you in toronto <laughs> yes sir we'll tell we'll, uh, we'll see each other soon in a couple of days the great ej raddick from the nhl network um i love red kelly by the way the uh the red kelly biography is a must read now i was like give book recommendations here uh the red kelly book is outstanding what a phenomenal life that man had um on the ice on the bench as ej mentioned in politics as well uh we'll hit a break uh gonna talk about the florida panthers in a couple of moments steve goldstein play-by-play -play voice of the florida the super legit florida panthers what do they have cooked up for a trade deadline do they need to do anything at trade deadline and how much is Reinhardt going to get at the end of the year? And is there a Florida Panthers discount perhaps available that he'd be amenable to? All these questions with Steve. Uh, Goldie coming up here in a couple of moments. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your podcasts. Back in a moment. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Only a couple of games on the go around the NHL this evening. You know, this uh, this is NHL pause, NHL all-star break right now for a number of teams. The Lions share the majority of teams around the NHL. There are some teams that welcome the break, whether it's the Philadelphia Flyers or soon to be the Los Angeles Kings after they get one more game out of the way, then it's a welcome week off. But for other teams, nah, keep on playing. We're rolling, baby. And we think about the Edmonton Oilers. And we also think about the Florida Panthers, who at their pause are on a four-game winning streak and don't just look legit. They look super legit in the Eastern Conference. Steve Goldstein knows that. Bally Sports Florida TV play-by-play -play voice of the Florida Panthers, who joins me now. Goldie, how are you today? 
Great, Jeff. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. On Paul Maurice's birthday, we should add as well. Uh, let me let me begin with a, with a conversation about and a couple of questions here about Paul. Now he's uh, coached the second most games uh, in NHL history, trailing only Scotty Bowman. Uh, full disclosure: When I was doing color for the Toronto Marlies about a million years ago, Paul was a coach, so I you know would sit and talk to Paul in front of the bus with Paul and have questions, and you know sat at the 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 feet of this you know wonderful, very thoughtful coach as well. Uh, you've had plenty of conversations with Paul Maurice. One, um, you know, as as they said about Winston Churchill, he weaponized the language and sent it into war. I kind of have that feeling about Paul Maurice too, in the way that he speaks and chooses his words and and communicates with players and communicates with broadcasters and fans, etc. What stands out to you about Paul Maurice as we wish him a happy birthday today? Well, very well said. And there's a number of things that stand out. But I would say the first thing is accessibility. You know, you did the job. I'm doing the job. Um, there's not a day that, that if you have a question, whether it's something happened to a game before, what you're working on in practice, something that happened in the league, or Jeff, the amazing thing about him, something that happened 25 years ago when the Whalers played that game in Montreal <laughs> at the Forum. And he remembers that. It really is amazing. Yeah. It, it, for me, it's been like a hockey education. Uh, the, the guy is great guy. I see why he's been able to span a quarter of a century in the league, change with the times, change with players' personality. There was no such thing as cell phones when he started. It is amazing, and it really yeah. is. And not to be too corny, but it's an honor to really be around the guy every day. Yeah, real, um, real smart. You know, and one of the things that I was really glad about with the Florida Panthers and their run last year is we got to, like, you know, this Goldie, like whenever a team gets, you know, as far as the Panthers did last year and got to the Stanley Cup final, you get a shine on a lot of the personalities. You get to know a lot of the players a lot more uh, because essentially you're seeing them every second day, a lot of media exposure. And I'm really glad that everybody, like, everybody really got to know Paul Maurice and where he was at at this point. Like you go through Toronto and Toronto has a way of, you know, chewing up coaches and it's sometimes tough to recover. He played in another, you know, coach, another, you know, a uh, hotbed with, uh, with Winnipeg. Uh, and there's a lot of exposure there. Um, have you been able to, or have any conversations with Paul about how he's sort of grown as a coach or anything that even just with, with, you know, with, you know, you observing him from afar and then watching him with the Panthers, anything you've noticed about how Paul Maurice has maybe changed or grown as a, as a head coach in the league? Well, there's a couple of things there. Number one, he doesn't have a ton of rules, but the ones that he has, you better adhere to him or you're not going to play for him. So it, it's not overly complicated. The other thing is, and I have asked him that a few times on different occasions, uh, you know, for different reasons on the air. And he's so humble. He says he still doesn't have it all figured out. And I'm like, come on. Like, you're closing in on the top five and <laughs> wins. You got the second most yep. games coached. And you're, you're coaching in your fourth decade in a league that, as you say, chews guys up and spits them out. Really? You don't have True. it all figured out? So he is extremely humble. He's always learning. Relies on his assistant coaches a lot. And he kind of lets the players be themselves outside of, like I said, yeah. on the ice. When they play the game, there's a few rules you got to follow about the way you play hockey. Otherwise, you're good. Mm -hmm. So he, he, here's one of my questions, and I'll, I'll dovetail this with a conversation to a, to a conversation about Sam Reinhardt. For the longest time, we all know about the Florida discount as it relates to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Take your choice of player. Uh, we've seen a lot of players come in uh, lighter, let's just say, than they would be uh, on the open market uh, because it's Tampa. We stay together. We take a little bit less, and we win. Are we there now with the Florida Panthers? Do you get the feeling that whether it's you know Sam Reinhardt who's who's up and having just a tremendous season or whomever else that now we can add the Florida Panthers to the list of Florida discount teams with Tampa? Well, first off, I guess we're going to find out in about six or seven months. But <laughs> talking to the players, you know, look, Matthew Kachuk is one. Yeah. You know, he probably could have gotten more than the nine five, but he knows the nine five is really. 10-5 or 11 Nine, here in South Florida. And the other thing is, yeah. Jeff, you know, the way this team, for, from Vinny Viola and ownership, general manager Bill Zito right on down, the way they treat the players, and I, obviously I'm honored to know it firsthand, 
the travel, the planes. You know, Florida is far from everywhere. When there's an extra needed night at a luxury mm-hmm. hotel, the Panthers stay at that hotel. They've got the new practice rink open. Guys take their golf carts to practice. There's more golf carts in the parking lot at the War Memorial in Fort Lauderdale than yeah, there are regular that. cars. So you've kind of got this, you know, lifestyle thing going. It's a great group of guys. It's obviously a winning team. So I certainly think, while, of course, you know this better than most people do, uh, the NHLPA, I'm sure the agents, there's going to be pressure on guys to get that number. Nobody cares, you know, if it's actually a discounted number. They want that number to be as high as possible. My answer is yes. I do think a number of these players, within reason, they want to be here in Florida. And in particular, when you bring up Sam Reinhardt, and this isn't to, you know, trash the Buffalo Sabres at all, but Sam Reinhardt knows what it's like when you don't have that organization running properly, don't have good teammates, good enough around you in order to win. He spent six years in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. not easy on him. You know, he never played a playoff game until he became a Panther. Now he's playing with Barkov, who signed for seven more years. So I think the entire package, including the fact that there's no state tax, will probably play a factor this summer. It's not just Reinhardt, Forsling and Montour are up as well. For sure. You know, I'm always, and maybe this just depends on the player uh, himself, Um, there's always been a debate about are great players easy to play with or hard to play with? And I've always said, well, it depends on the player. Like for the longest time we had this conversation about Sidney Crosby. Oh, it's so hard to find someone to play on the wing with Sidney Crosby. And I just kept saying, well, you just have to be ready because, you know, Crosby, no one plays on his backhand more than Sidney Crosby does. So as long as you have someone that can read the backhand, um, you can play with Sidney Crosby and Chris Kunis was the best at it. Um, You've seen a lot of Alexander Barkov. Uh, How would you say, like, would you describe him as someone who's difficult to play with? Because, like, he thinks and plays at a whole different level. Like, Barkov is a gem. Uh, Is that easy for guys to play with or hard for guys to play with? And I should throw in, too, uh, if it's difficult, uh, Sam Reinhardt has clearly figured it out. Yeah, I think that's what it takes, Jeff. Figure it out a little bit, but no, it's not hard to play with him. It's really not. You look back at the history. It's been a Panther for more than a decade. You know, 43-year-old Yarmir Yager put up 50 points with him. Nick Bukestad put up points with him. Uh, Jonathan Huberto all those mm-hmm. years. And Denny Dadnoff had his best seasons here in South Florida playing with him. The list goes on and on. And, you know, Reinhardt thinks the game at a very high level similar to Barkov. And they had some good moments the last couple of years it's just mm-hmm. the finish wasn't there for whatever reason. So they always switched up those lines. I look at Barkov, take Evan Rodriguez. You know, he comes in here as a free agent, veteran guy. Yeah. Kind of was figuring it out early in the season, how to play with Barkov. Now that he has, it's kind of seamless. Uh, he fits in on that line. So, no, I, I don't think Barkov is a particularly difficult guy uh, to play with once you get it, maybe more the mental part of the game, figured out. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find now that the Panthers have gone to the Stanley Cup final, um, now that the Panthers have you know shown consistently this season that they are a contender uh, and they're not going in you know backdoor and needing a Tuesday night Pittsburgh-Chicago game to, <laughs> to open up the field for them to get through, um, that more times than not, and maybe it's every game, Steve, I don't know, you're there for all of it, that they're getting their opponent's best game always? That's definitely been the case this year. And the amazing thing, Jeff, is it hasn't been a big adjustment for them because they picked up right where they left off. You know, they're playing Mm -hmm. playoff hockey in the regular season. You look back last week, the Arizona game, you know, Zucker hit Cousins three weeks before. They went old school at the red line before the game. Lomberg is there. Uh, Gadjevich is there. Matthew Kachuk cannot allow any of that to go on without him being in that pile. And then yeah. you get a couple of fights right <laughs> off the faceoff. Uh, this team is playing playoff hockey right now. It got nasty again Friday night a little bit in Pittsburgh. They were going after Latang. Um, so, yeah, o- opponents know what's coming. But when Sergei Bobrovsky and Anthony Stolarz do the job they've been doing this year in net, it really doesn't matter. They're that good. They're that tough to play against. And if you want to try to mix it up, they're flat out old school tough. 
And oh, by the way, you got two 40 goal mm-hmm. scores on your second line, which, which is outrageous in Verhage and Kachuk. So they're getting everybody's best, mm-hmm. but they, they really seem to be up to the challenge every, every night. They find ways to motivate themselves. Uh, let me ask about Anthony Stolarz. Um, last year was Alex Lyon, who did uh, just a tremendous job helping get this team into the playoffs. He was fantastic uh, down the stretch before turning the recreation over to Sergei Bobrovsky again. Um, thoughts on Anthony Stolarz? You know, I've I've told this story a, f- a few times here on, on this show and on the podcast as well, having a conversation with someone from another team about the Hart Trophy and MVPs. And he said, look, you know who the MVP in the NHL is? The league minimum backup goaltender that can get you wins. <laughs> that is every team's MVP. Florida has one in Anthony Stolarz. Your thoughts on him? Well, it's incredible because, you know, at 30 years old, he comes in here, had played pretty well in Anaheim. He's the best road goalie in hockey as far as save percentage and goals against for a goalie that's hmm. played as much as he has, which is which is amazing. He doesn't give up more than two goals a game. I could even, first off, go back one more year, Jeff, with the job Chris Drieger did for the Panthers. Remember when they used the True. three goalies in the Tampa yeah. series with Bobrovsky and Knight? And the common theme is Rob Talish, you know, the goalie coach. He's been here forever through yeah. different GMs and coaches. And Paul Maurice, anytime you ask about the goalies, he will mention Rob Talish. Talish deserves a lot of the credit. Now, the goalies are the ones doing the job. Uh, Stolar's a big guy. He's very quiet, very calm in net. Uh, the Panthers do play, as you know, very good defensive style. They're top two in all the analytics. You know, they don't give up, uh, you know, rush chances and four check chances and, you know, too many rebound chances as well. They do a pretty good job in front of the mm-hmm. net, but he's just been outstanding. And you look at the position they're in now where, you know, you probably have to, you know, maybe go 500 the rest of the year to make the playoffs because they've got that nice lead. I think it's going to be to their yep. advantage because they don't have to ride Sergei Bobrovsky that hard here down the stretch when they come back next week from the break. Um, This is a theoretical one. I mean, you're close to it, so you'll know the vibe. Do you think the Florida Panthers would rather win the division or face off against Tampa in the opening round? What would they want more? Well, you know, picking, we we can do it. Picking opponents is... A dangerous thing in this league. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. You know, it looks like, and we have season left, right? We've got a few months here. But it looks oh, yeah, like the two wild cards are going to come from the Atlantic as well, right? You think Toronto, yeah. Tampa, and Detroit, probably all going to make the playoffs? So mm-hmm. when you look at it, you really don't know which one of those three teams, if they finish first or second, they'll end up getting. I do think, and look, I, I've been close to it here in Florida. I never want to play the Lightning in the playoffs because of that guy in goal. You know, he's only got to beat you four out of seven. He doesn't have to get red hot and win every game. He's got to beat you four out of seven. So Tampa still, you know, is, is, is a dangerous team. Kucherov and John Cooper behind the bench. They've got the pedigree. And we don't know because this year they're going to go in the playoffs as an underdog. They haven't done that in like eight or nine years. So... Tampa, to me, Tampa would scare me a little bit, and it's no disrespect to the Leafs, and Samsonov seems to have his game back, and no disrespect to Alex Lyon and Husso in Detroit. But if it's me, I'd probably rather play one of those two teams, even though Austin Matthews is going to score 70 goals and he's outrageously good. Probably just (laughs) when you look in the net and you look at the pedigree, probably Detroit or Toronto over Tampa. Awesome. Uh, you're the best, Goldie. Enjoy your break. I'm not sure what you're doing, but make sure you make sure you get rejuvenated because looking for another big Panther push here down the uh, down the stretch after the uh, after the All Star weekend is done. You got a fun team to call, and you're great at it. Thanks as always for stopping by. Kind words, Jeff. I appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. The great Steve Goldstein is the play-by-play voice of the Florida Panthers, and we thank him for his time. The Panthers look fantastic. Although I will say one thing. Like, there are... Yeah, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. Why not, right? It's a, it's a Tuesday, January 30th. Let's get ahead of ourselves. Um, Panthers lightning in the opening round is real juicy for the obvious reasons. Now, the balance of power seems to have shifted. We saw this a couple of years ago in the playoffs, and Tampa Takara, Florida, thank you very much. There was a big dog, little dog element about that series, as we can all recall. I'll tell you, though. Tampa 
Florida is one. But Alex Lyon and the Detroit Red Wings versus the Florida Panthers is another delicious storyline that I think we can all sort of sink our teeth into because if it's not for that goaltender, the Florida Panthers don't even get themselves into a position to have that series against the Boston Bruins and Bobrovsky doesn't even get in position to make that save on Brad Marchand, which would have ended the series that took us into overtime and then boom, cue the Panther heroics. They dispatch the Boston Bruins. They take care of the Toronto Maple Leafs, sorry Leafs fans. And they're on their way to Stanley Cup Final. Alex Lyon versus the Florida Panthers is Juicy Jr. Real juicy. Okay, uh, on that we will wrap. I want to thank Steve Goldstein, EJ Raddick, Charlie O'Connor, and Elliot Friedman all for stopping by. Thanks to you for listening and or watching. Uh, the Merrick Show, produced by David Siss and Matt Marchese. Lance Kennedy, our board op, TV director, the great Jen Rolnick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, back tomorrow. Enjoy the two games. You're killing me. That's it. Two games tonight. Back tomorrow.